Open your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm. I just love you all so much. I, I, I love you all so much. I love every moment of worship. I love every moment where I pray for you through the week. Uh, I love our friendship. Um, I just love everything about uh, being your pastor. Um, and I love reading the 23rd Psalm together. Um, all week long, I've just really looked forward to it. Um, pastor means shepherd. It really does. Um, not like pasture, like, you know, the cow pasture. It's, it's not related in that way. But um, the word pastor means to shepherd, and to shepherd means to lead and to feed. And I understand that that's my role. Um, I guess today is, is a great day to be the pastor because you read the 23rd Psalm, and it reminds us all who our shepherd is. You know, it reminds all of us who leads and feeds us. And I, I'm not that shepherd, but, but the Lord is. Uh, and if you will follow him, you will find such rest and refreshment for your soul. Um, let's do it again. Let, let's read again. Uh, again, the, it just comes out of my heart from the King James. But if you want to follow along, the New Living Translation is open in front of me, but it only messes me up if, if, I, if I try to read it. Um, I, I like other translations because sometimes they bring the meaning out. Um, but the 23rd Psalm is... Uh, what it is in, in, in my heart. So let's, uh, uh, let, let's prepare once more for the word. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all. The days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I want, everything I need. I shall not want. I... It, it, these are beautiful words, but you must understand they are only true if the Lord is your shepherd. I hate to say it, but I, I really think it's just true. I think Casey and I are really bad dog parents. I, I don't mean like bad dog. It's not the dog. I really think it's us. I, I mean, I, honestly, I, I just think it's, it's, it's us. We, I love our dog. I mean, I love Augie. She's a mutt. I mean, and see, there I go. You're thinking a good dog dad wouldn't call his dog a mutt, and, and you're probably right. So we'll just say that my dog has... Uh, no known purebred ancestry. How's that? Uh, and she was free. She was free. I mean, it was one of y'all. It was on a Sunday night at church, and somebody's dog was promiscuous in the neighborhood. And so uh, you brought you know, this truckload of puppies to church one night, and every kid in church, including mine, was out there under the canopy after church going, please, please, please. I mean, just you know, free puppies. Don't ever do that, y'all. <laughs> Church, so everybody got a puppy that night, and uh, our dog Aggie came out of that litter 
Uh, she's never going to die. This dog will live forever. Uh, I guess I say that, y'all. We're not good parents. We're not good dog. We love her. We try, you know. I mean, like, it's such a sinking feeling when your dog, I mean, my dog has, like, come and got me, walked me over, and showed me that her bowl was empty. Like, like I mean, that's not, I mean, like, my dog has shown me that she needs to be fed. Has your dog ever done that? I mean, see, that's what I'm telling you. We're really especially bad dog. I mean, my dog will take me and show me, like, you know, that the bowl is, is, is empty. But I don't worry too much because she does eat manure. <laughs> yeah, see, y'all are judging again. Um, we live in the country, and my dog loves the flavor of feces. That's all I can say. I mean, she loves loves manure, and she just eats it, you know, and it looks me in the face. I mean, she just eats tons of manure every single day. The vet tells us, don't let her do that. I'm like, you know, you get out here and stop her yourself, you know, Mr. Vet. I mean, there's no stopping her. They say that, you know, it's going to give her worms, and all kinds of horrible things will happen, you know. Tell Augie. I mean, you know, she's, and I know if her bowl had food, she wouldn't have to eat manure. I mean, I get it. We're not good dog parents. It, it feels worse when we go to the vet, though, because that's when at the vet, we start, like, seeing other dog parents and, like, how y'all do with y'all's animals. Like, some of y'all brush your dog's teeth. What? I mean, like, I'm, I'm 54. I've had dogs all my life. We have never brushed a dog's teeth. But that's what y'all are doing now, and go for it, y'all. I mean, y'all are dedicated. That's all I got, got to say. Um, I don't understand it, but go for that. Um, you, you know, Barbara and Jimmy White in our congregation have a dog named Buffy. Buffy lives the life now. Buffy gets, you know, like regular bads, and uh, she rides around with Barbara. Barbara takes her everywhere in the car. I, we can't take Aggie in the car because she wants to drive. Like, like seriously, like she gets in the, I mean, it's dangerous. Um, but, you know, Buffy, Barbara White's dog, you know, has this life. That, I mean, like, if my dog knew how your dog lives, like, my dog would leave us. So, I mean, never look back. Like, if my dog knew your address, my dog would come live at your house. Uh, definitely Barbara and Jimmy, you know. I mean, actually, if, if anything happens to Buffy, God forbid, I want to be Barbara and Jimmy's next dog. I mean, I would live, I would live Buffy's. Life. I'm just saying my dog would run away from us so fast if she had any idea how you all take care of your, your dogs. Here's the thing. When you are totally dependent on someone else to take care of you, it really matters who that person is. You understand? When you are totally dependent on another's care, it really matters who that person is. So when David writes the 23rd Psalm, he, he's talking about the one who cares for him. Now, most of you know that you know, King David was you know, the king of Israel, but before that, long before that, he was a, a shepherd boy, just a shepherd boy who played instruments and wrote poems and songs, and, and this is one of his songs. And, and maybe the reason it speaks so deeply to our souls is because of all the psalms that David must have written. This one had to just come out of his soul, you know? Uh, out of all of those days of, of being a shepherd, doing these things, knowing what it is to go find the lost sheep and, and carry the lambs in his arms. I mean, David knew all of this and, and related deeply to this. And, and so when David wanted to describe, you know, from the bottom of his heart what his relationship with the Lord was like, all he could say is, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I have everything I want. Can you say that? The Lord is, I'm not saying can you say it because I know you know the words, but can, can you say that? Can, can you say that the Lord is your shepherd? Because honestly, he's only your shepherd if you're following him. So the fact that you know the psalm and, and, and the fact that the words you know, stir something in your heart, it, it doesn't make these words true for you because in order for the Lord to be your shepherd, you have to belong to him. You, you have to choose to follow him. Do you belong to him? So, years and years ago, there's a book that came out called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It's by a shepherd named Philip Keller. It's an awesome book. Find it in all those antique bookstores out there. It's old. Uh, but, but, but Keller talks a lot about what it was for him to be a shepherd, and, and he brings a lot of light to this passage because, because he, he, he reads it like a shepherd. Keller talks about back in his days as a shepherd how... Um, it was important that shepherds would find a way to identify which sheep were theirs. If you haven't noticed, all sheep kind of look alike. Now, especially in the ancient world, in King David's days, you know, shepherding was typically done out in the open. You know, there weren't you know, necessarily individual farms with fences like we have today. So literally, young boys typically were the shepherds, and they would simply lead the flock throughout the day to find good pasture. And, and shepherds would cross paths and flocks would cross paths. And, and I'm told that sometimes at night, the shepherds would all just put all the flock in one pen and then the shepherd boys would, would build a fire and make s'mores or whatever they would do and talk through the night and, and uh, kind of spend that night together. Then the next morning, it was important to be able to sort the sheep back out. So you needed to know which sheep were yours. You needed some sort of identifying mark. So back in the day, and actually into our day, shepherds would, would make some sort of mark in the ear, some sort of cut, something that would, that would be unique, and that way you could always say, that one's mine. And everybody would know to which shepherd the lamb belongs because of the mark on his ear. So, so Keller says that in verse 1 of the 23rd Psalm, we get that identifying mark. In other words, for all of those who belong to the flock of the Lord, there is an identifying mark. There is one sign that is undeniable. When you have this, we know who your shepherd is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the mark of belonging to the shepherd? It's contentment. It's satisfaction, deep, rich satisfaction. Again, the King James will get you in trouble on that line right there because as a kid, we always read the King James Bible and we'd read the 23rd Psalm and we'd say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I would think, what is that supposed to mean? Like the Lord is my shepherd, but I don't want him. I mean, I couldn't figure out like what I shall not want meant, but, but you can figure it out, right? And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want which means I have everything that I need. There is nothing in heaven or earth that I don't have because I am cared for by the shepherd. I have everything that I need. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that I can even imagine going without. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything. Do you understand? The mark of contentment here is the mark of belonging, the sign of belonging. When the Lord is your shepherd, there's not going to be anything that you don't have. He takes care of those that belong to him. He always cares for those in his flock. 
Philip Keller in his book talks about his old days when he had in his particular flock this beautiful ewe, you know, like a female sheep, beautiful, beautiful ewe. He said that her, her wool was just beautiful and she had the most beautiful lambs, I mean, beautiful babies. Her eyes were bright. She was perfect in every single way, except she was what shepherds call a fence crawler. A fence crawler. Now, those of you who've kept animals, what do you think a fence crawler would be? In other words, if you took this you, and, and again, Keller was a good shepherd, he would find the pasture that had the, the greenest grass and, and water for the animals, and he would put his flock into that pasture surrounded by a fence. But this particular you was a fence crawler, which means as soon as she was in a new pen, what would she do? She'd walk that fence looking for a loophole looking for a way to squeeze her fat woolly backside out, and, and, and that was just her thing. She was a fence crawler. She would get out. Now, why would she get out? What, what would she leave? No real idea, because understand, Keller knew that the shepherd knew where the green grass was. He knew where the water was. He knew exactly what his sheep would need. But that you would stand on this side of the fence and look at that side of the fence and think, oh, I really want to be over there. So inevitably, inevitably, by the end of the day, he would find that you on the other side of the fence trying somehow to feed herself on some burned-out brown patch of bramble with no water. You know, they say the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's just not true. It's just not true. It's just that some of us have this fence-crawling kind of spirit. We just always sort of think that if there's a fence, we need to be on the other side of it. We somehow think that, that, that we know better what we need or, or, or we can imagine something better if only we could just sort of go our way, do it our, our way. Keller eventually had to get rid of that you. He could not keep her in his flock because she would not stay in his flock. When, when, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Do you understand what that? He's just saying, I know where my source is. I know where the source is for everything that my soul craves, the, the, the hunger in my soul, the, the thirst in my heart. I know, where, I know where to find what I need. It's with the shepherd. You see, the, the problem is some of us, we think that we are our own shepherd. We think that we can be the captain of our own destiny. We think that somehow, some way, we're going to take better care of ourselves than God would take care of us if he were our shepherd. And no, no matter what fence he puts us behind, we just imagine if we could get on the other side of that, we'd be better off. And, and inevitably, we find ourselves feeding on some brown, burned-out patch of bramble. You understand? This fence-crawling habit that you have that takes you out of the care of your shepherd, it is the root of all of your problems. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It's poetry, right? It's, it's all poetry. David is saying something deeply true about his life. But, but he's using the analogy of a shepherd and, and sheep and, and the kinds of ways that a shepherd cares for the sheep. So, so we're not sheep, but we're like sheep. And, and so the Lord takes care of us. And, 
Well, what I'm saying is when, when the scripture says he leads me beside you know, still waters, he, he leads me into green pastures, I, I'm, I'm not literally you know, living my life in, in a green pasture. I'm not saying that. I'm not up here chewing my cud. You, you understand? That, that, that's not what we're saying. But when we talk about still waters, we're, we're talking spiritually. We're, we're talking about the way God provides for us in the middle of our lives. So, so one way or the other, these green pastures that he leads you toward, understand, that's in your life. It's in your life. What we're saying is that the Lord will provide exactly what you need and exactly the, the, the way and the time that you need it and exactly the place where you are. He takes care of you. So that green pasture actually might be a waiting room in the hospital. That green pasture might actually be a schoolroom at the place where you go every day. That green pasture could be a moment of quiet at the funeral home. I'm telling you, he can make a green pasture out of any place you go as long as you're following him, as long as he is your shepherd. He is able to feed you. He is able to take you to still waters. Again, Keller talks about why it's got to be still waters. Apparently sheep are really dumb, timid types of animals. And so if water's moving or making noise, like if water's rushing, it scares them and they won't drink. I mean, it's got to be still water because sheep are easily spooked. And so when you bring them to the water, if it's, if it's rushing, if it's splashing, you know, they're not going to drink. And so the shepherd finds a way to take them to the still waters where they can drink and find rest and peace. We don't have a lot of moments like that in our lives. I mean, all we are like sheep, the scripture says. And honestly, don't you just get tired of the way everything rushes and everything is loud and everything about our lives just won't stand still? And yet the Lord, in the middle of all of that, he can find a way to lead you to still waters. There can be a place, a place of peace inside of your heart. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding, which means it's a peace that shouldn't be there. It's a peace you can't explain. But when the Lord is your shepherd, he will lead you to a place of peace, still waters in the midst of all of the craziness of your life. It leads me green pastures, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That right there, that, that's the line. I think that might be the most important phrase in the, in the whole psalm. Paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What does that mean? His name's sake. This is for his name's sake. In other words, one way or the other, David is saying his reputation is on the line here. He's my shepherd, and he leads me because, because his name is at stake. His reputation is at stake. In other words, if he were not to lead me in paths of righteousness, then he would cease to be the shepherd. He would no longer be worthy of the name. You understand? And so, I mean, very truly, this is the truth of Scripture. This is sort of all through Scripture. I mean, God continues to do things for his name's sake. And the fact of that is just simple. If God were to fail you, if God were to break a promise, if God were to take you into the dark valley and leave you there, I mean, if God were to fail to take you to green pastures, water you in the still waters, I mean, if he were to leave or forsake you, he would cease to be God. If God were to break a promise, if God were to act in anything other than loving kindness and care toward you, he would cease to be God. He would no longer be worthy of his own name. He would no longer be worthy to be called your shepherd. 
He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His name's sake. His name is at stake. So yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of Like right after the line about his namesake, if he were to fail to provide for me, if he were to lead me in any other direction, he wouldn't be worthy of the name shepherd. He would cease to be God. And right after that, I mean, the next word spoken is, yea, even though, even though I walk. I mean, the question becomes, if, if he's my shepherd and he's always going to provide for me and always going to care for me, and if he's leading me into green pastures and still waters, why am I ever going through the valley of the shadow of death? He leads me, leads me into green pastures. Leaves me beside still waters. Even when I walk through, what's that word, through? I mean, God the shepherd, he knows that, that sometimes in order to get to one place, you've got to go through another place. It's, 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 through, it's, it's through the dark valley. He's leading you to green pastures, but sometimes you will go through, through dark valleys. Do you understand what that, what that means? It just simply means that the, the place where you are, the dark valley, is, is really never as important as, as, as to where you'll be next, where he's taking you to. He does not lead any of us into the valley of the shadow and leave us there. So I'm a runner. Uh, I run in the country. Uh, which, you know, everybody thinks is weird. Country people don't understand, you know. Like all the farmers say, why don't you just work, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you want to exercise, why don't you just work? Yeah, I get it. If, maybe if Carhartt made running shorts, you know, then I could fit in. Uh, but I, I run out on lots of mornings, Ming Road, just out that direction. And there's a lot of traffic, especially now with school back in. Um, giant school buses, you know, come flying down Ming Road. And those big old grain trucks, you know, from the farmers, and, and the buses and the grain trucks always take, like, the whole road. Like they come over the hill or around the curve, and, uh, and, and it's just the whole road. And, and so I'm over here, you know, just looking at the truck coming my way, and I, I get over on the side, you know, and, you know, trying to hug the shoulder, and, you know, you know, yeah, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not really, but, you know, it's just like these truck, trucks coming my way, um, Here's the thing, man, I, I don't ever want to know what it's like to be flattened by a bus or, or a grain truck. Uh, but, but when I'm out on those early mornings and the sun's coming up and, and the bus comes, uh, I, I get over and I'm always a little bit nervous. But, but the thing is, the only thing that really happens is that the bus goes by and the shadow passes over me. And it's an awesome thing. Like I'm running in the sunlight, I get plunged in the darkness with that, that grain truck is a mile long. The shadow of that truck falls across me. 
the shadow of that school bus falls across me, you know, and all of a sudden I'm in the shadow, but then, do you understand that? It's, it's one thing to get hit by the bus. It's another thing to, 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 to be uh, hit by the shadow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. No, nothing to fear. Even if I die. Do you understand that? Even if I die. Even if I die. Nothing to fear. In John chapter 11, Jesus gets the word that, is, that the one he loves, that, that is one of his good friends, Lazarus, is sick. Y'all know that story? And Jesus, when he finds out that Lazarus is sick, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, this sickness shall not end in death. And you're thinking, I believe it does. I mean, have you read the chapter? Have you read the chapter? Like, where's Jesus going to be 12 verses from the sickness shall not end in death? Where will he be? Lazarus' funeral. Lazarus' funeral. So Jesus says, when he finds out that Lazarus is sick, Jesus says, his sickness shall not end in death. Turns out Lazarus dies. I mean, deader than 4 o'clock. And then Jesus gets there like, what, three days later. So he's been four days dead. He is dead. I mean, dead. Deader than dead. You ready? But what happens? When Jesus gets to Lazarus' funeral, what does Jesus do? He ends it. Ends the funeral by doing what? Walking up to Lazarus' tomb and saying what? Lazarus, come forth. Yeah. So you understand, when Jesus said, this sickness shall not end in death, all that means is if Lazarus is dead, it's not the end. Sickness shall not end in death. If he's dead, it's not the end. You understand? So the psalmist simply says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Even if I die, still my shepherd. And if I die, he will not let go of my hand. Even if I die, I will be with him. Another pastor on the other side. He's my shepherd. Even if, if I die, do you understand what David is saying here? That worst thing that could happen. I mean, the worst thing I can imagine is not, not that I would die. The worst thing I can imagine is not to have him as my shepherd. Fear no evil because you're with me. But thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's this overflowing cup. It's the way we live our lives, right? I mean, the goodness of our lives just overflows. I mean, the way the shepherd cares for us, he doesn't just provide for our needs by, you know, with an eyedropper, you know, just sort of dropping out just, just a little bit, of, a little bit of, you know, people chow, whatever we just need for today. You know, God doesn't provide for us like that. It's lavish care. He takes us to green pastures, still waters. Our cup overflows. It's this overflowing cup of goodness. This is what it means to belong to this shepherd overflowing cup of goodness, which means I have everything I need. I have more than I need. I've got more than enough to share it with the whole world. This is the way he provides. An overflowing cup. 
So, so knowing this about the way he cares for me, what, what can I know about tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that? Well, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I'm talking about the future now. Shall follow me all the days of my life. No matter how long I live, this won't change. His goodness, his mercy shall follow. Now, David's writing in the Hebrew language, of course, and that word that, we, that the King James says follow is really closer to David's word for chase after. Like follow sounds, you know, you know just kind of like, you know, saunter along behind, you know, bringing up the rear. But that's not exactly what David says here. It's a chase. It's a pursuit. God's goodness, God's mercy is going to run you down. Why does he say it like that? Well, why is it a pursuit? I mean, follow sounds so, so much more peaceful. But, but, but I, th- I think it takes us back to that fence-crawling habit we have. That, that tendency that we have to wander away from the only shepherd our soul has, the only source of everything that we need. It's tendency that we have to be that wandering sheep and the way that God, our, the good shepherd, will continue to pursue us and bring us back. He will always, always come after you and bring you back. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can that be true? All of it. Those promises. Can that be true? A God so good, so full of love for you, nothing would stop him from coming and bringing you into his fold. A shepherd so good that he would lay down his life for you. A God who cares for you lavishly, lushly, a cup overflowing. Can that be true? It is. As long as the Lord is your shepherd. But he can't be your shepherd if you won't follow him. You have to follow him. When you follow him, you will be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Pray with me. God, we're not sheep, but we're like sheep. And we need a shepherd. God, it's so hard for us to to give up that idea that we can do it ourselves, that we know best, that we can find our own path for our lives. It's Just like us, Lord, to always see the greener grass on the other side and imagine that one way or another, we could be the shepherd of ourselves. We could find our own source. We could do it without you. Oh, good shepherd, 
the one who would leave the 90 and 9 to find the lost one. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that today you would pursue every lost sheep in this house, every lost one in the sound of my voice. Oh, Lord God, we are so foolish to leave you, so foolish to imagine that we could stray away from you and still find rest, still find food, still find anything that would quench this thirsting in our souls. So, Lord God, remind us Teach us, make us to surrender so that wherever you lead, we'd go. Wherever, Lord. Through green pastures, still waters, through the darkest valley, Lord. As long as we are with you, oh God, may we never fear. May we never doubt. May we never turn away. And may we never, ever know what it is to have a heart left hungry. Oh Lord Jesus, you are the shepherd of our hearts. Help us to walk in the contentment and the grace and the provision that is only found when we follow you. Lead us, good shepherd, and we will follow you wherever you go. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, shepherd of our hearts. Amen.